Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, welcome everybody. We want to take a moment and speak to our campuses. Newcastle, we love you so much. Meadville, we love you all so much. One church, multiple locations. Those joining us online. Cranberry, would you welcome them? Come on, man. We love you guys so much. We're so grateful to get to partner in all of these cities and God's doing a great work and we're grateful for, for Pastor Sean and Sarah in Meadville and Pastors John and Kara there in, in Newcastle. They're doing an amazing work at your campuses and we're going to join you. Would you give a hand for your pastors at your campuses? Come on, Cranberry, thank God for them with those campuses. We love you guys so much. You know, uh, I, I almost couldn't wait to get to share the things that I'm getting to share with you this week and, and, and the next couple weeks. Because uh, at the end of last month, the last five days of the month, uh, if you were not here last week, I shared about the, the great privilege I, I got to spend with, with John Maxwell, who is considered by virtually any, any world or any group of people the foremost authority on leadership in a secular world on the planet. And so I, I want to take you into those moments. And, and so I, I was able to actually sit with him on a plane and... And for seven and a half hours down to South America, we went to Paraguay as well as to Brazil and then back. It was intense. And I didn't know they took the picture. They sent it to me and I blew it up because I thought, what's up? And I looked, I've, I had this intensity that I thought, I'm going to burn a hole through that human being. And I'm a little, I'm a little ADD, but for, I was focused for seven and a half hours. And then there were multiple hours beyond that that he, sp- that he spent with us. And it's something I never dreamed that I would have the opportunity to do. But, but I realized it wasn't primarily for me, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But those of you who do not know who John Maxwell is, which the majority of you will, John is the foremost, as I said, authority on leadership in the world. He's sold over 35 million books on the subject, which that's 35 million more books than I have sold in my life as well. Just so I'd like, just want to bring some context to the two folks. Right now, there are 23 countries in which the president, the king, or the prime minister is waiting in a line to have John come to their nation and meet with them. That's the, the level of success that he's had in, in, his, in his business endeavor. Because John has, has the largest secular leadership company in the world. In fact, right now, they have already trained 40,000 coaches who, have, who literally are touching 120 countries. And they've trained well over 6 million leaders around the world. And it's a secular company. Now, why is that important? Because so often I think it's hard to translate how how for God to use you in your everyday life when you hear from somebody like me who's in a pastoral ministry. Sometimes it's hard to see the translation. And when I was sitting with John, I kept thinking in my heart, I thought, oh, God, I wish everybody at Victory could be here listening to this. And I really didn't intend to be speaking on these things. But by the time our our time was finished, I realized that there's a reason why I'm here and it's beyond me. Anything God does to grow me is to help grow you. And I want to take you into that world and I want to help you. If you weren't here last week, I really would encourage you to take the time to do so. But John is not doing what he does from the perspective of being a pastor or a minister. It is a secular outreach it is a secular work and what I found from being around him and I didn't know this literally just I found this out just a few years ago about John Maxwell I didn't know this I didn't know that he was leveraging everything he was to win people to Christ around the world I didn't know that 
And I, after being around him and seeing the scope of what he does through his nonprofit, of which all the other for-profit companies are there for that reason, which I didn't know, is that he literally, I believe, is maybe the greatest evangelist on the planet. And he's a, and he's a business guy. And he's learned to leverage everything God has put into his, into, into his hands for something more than is temporary but eternal. And I want to help you to walk with, 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 the, the, with him the way he talked with us. Now, half of the people on the trip were business guys and ladies. And so they were asking amazing questions, which I learned a lot just from their questions. So he wasn't speaking primarily to ministers. He spoke some to us, but mainly it was to the business uh, people to help them leverage their life for something that matters forever. Well, in Paraguay, when we were there in Paraguay, we, we, we saw literally, now listen, he, and, and most ministries that win the lost in nations, particularly third world environments, are reaching those at the lowest ebb of society, which is absolutely critical. I've done it myself, and it's, and it's an honor to do so. Every soul matters. But there are very few people that have been positioned by God to reach the top 10% of the leaders of a nation. And that's John's calling. And while, in, while we were there and he did his leadership thing, it resulted in those, those 20,000 people that were, in, in, that were a part of it. 14,000 of them responded and gave their life to Christ. These are the leaders of a nation. That's remarkable. I'm telling you, it's remarkable. So, so grateful to get to learn from someone like that. Then went over to Brazil, which has 230 million people. And that process is beginning there. You do the math when a nation of 230 million people have this occurring from those in the leaders in the nation. And they are followed up. It is remarkable what's happening in nations. And we get to be a part of it, and I had the privilege to get to learn from it. So last week and this week, I'm sharing with you what I'm calling mentoring lessons from a world-class kingdom builder. In the next two weeks, I'll be doing it as well. And I want to take you into, into those moments so that I can bring value to you. Because it wasn't for my benefit, it was for our benefit. And I want to help you in your everyday life to be able to be used by God to maximize why he's placed you on this earth. I found that much of what John talked about, not all, but much, fell under one of the laws of leadership that he writes of in one of his books. One of his early books that I still read regularly is called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And, and, and laws are things that are constants. And one of the laws in that book is called the law of sacrifice. And he says the law of sacrifice is that a leader must give up to go up. The law of sacrifice. A leader must give up to go up. Now, I'm going to look at three simple things and share with you things that he shared with me. From sacrifice, giving up, and going up. Those three perspectives. And I want to help you today to actually do those things. Jesus, of course, is the example, not Maxwell. No one. Jesus is the ultimate example of this. And let me read it to you in, in Scripture in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Jesus, the Scripture said, your attitude or your mindset should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So we need to have the same mindset as Jesus did. He's our Lord. Verse 6. Here's the mindset he had. Speaking of Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. It's something he already had. But he made himself. Say out loud, he made himself. This is a choice. This is a sacrifice. But he made himself nothing. This is the God of the universe. He made himself nothing. Taking, that's a choice. The very nature of a servant 
And being made in human likeness, the creator takes on the form of the creation. And he became obedient to death, even the death of a cross. Therefore, as a result of this, God exalted him and brought him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus is the example of the law of sacrifice. He literally gave up so we could go up, not him. And I want to take you into how that actually works in your everyday life, in your secular world. Whether you, when I talk about leadership today and in the coming weeks, I'm not talking about people who lead large entities or lead in any maybe defined capacity at all. But leadership is simply influence. We all have that in some world or some sphere. And you are called to maximize that influence for the kingdom of God. And that's my hope and help today. And and the value I want to bring to you is to help you to do that. And so the law of sacrifice is so critically important. We have to actually then imitate God. We're commanded to do it. Look at Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Anybody ever have your kids imitate you in ways you don't appreciate? Yeah, those are the worst. But anyway, there is a good side to it though. Ephesians 5, 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Say out loud, everything. Let's not limit our life, our spiritual life, to church, to a small group, to a Bible study, to when you talk with Christians. He's saying, I want you to imitate me in your entirety of your life, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, and he offered himself, listen, as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You see, John said this, he said, when you live a life of sacrifice as a leader, it reveals the why of your life and not the what. And let me break that down for you. He said, most leaders, most entities, most groups, churches alike, they focus on the what and not the why. And people don't want the what until they know the why. And let me give you an example out of scripture. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, that's the why, that he gave his only begotten son. That's the what. And as Christians, we have largely learned to focus on the what or the outcome. And we haven't started with the why God did it. That's why as, at Victory, we start with our purpose all the time. And I've said it thousands of times, and you'll hear it a thousand times more, that this church exists to help all people. Everyone say all people. Love God, hate God, don't believe he exists. This church exists to help all people realize that God loves them unconditionally. That's the why. And then we take you to the four what's. To get to know him. To find freedom in your life. To discover your purpose and then to make an impact. If you start with the four and not the why, you will be paralyzed. And it's what makes Christians largely unappealing to those in the world. Is that we don't love them first. We Tell them what they need to do or be. Instead of why God loved them so desperately that he can rescue their life. Sacrifice, he said, empowers everyone, not just the leader. But sacrifice, it actually empowers everyone to actually live out of their hearts. You see, goals of a leader, a family, an organization, a church, those goals just reveal the what, but not the heart. And he said, and and what I've seen in people in business, they'll get so caught up in the what, they lose the why. 
He said, you will never keep great people engaged with what's. You will only keep great people engaged with their giftings and their talents if they know why. And if you don't always lead with the why, if you don't eat, drink, and breathe the why personally, you will fail to influence people in the way that you should. And it's why Christians today are so poor at sharing Christ because they're telling people what to do instead of starting with the why. And he said the reason they can't start with the why is because they've been captured by the what. He said, let your heart only be captured with the why and the what get to be added to that equation. Wise leaders will always lead, he said, and always live with the why and then add the what. John 15, verse 12, Jesus said, this is my commandment, not suggestion, my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. And now he defines that love. And there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends or to sacrifice your life. Sacrifice, John said, is, he said, literally, it is the foundation of all success. Certainly all eternal success. He said, the heart of godly leadership is when the leader intentionally and without fail, with a complete commitment, always is putting others ahead of themselves and doing what is best for others and not not themselves, always serving the team, if you will, and not themselves. He said, it doesn't work that way all the time. And then he said to us, he said, I've never left one position in my life to go to another on the basis of financial gain or opportunity. Now, understand the context. He's not just talking, there's just a handful of us there, just a few pastors, and the rest were business leaders. He said, if you're just looking for opportunity, if you're just looking for the next thing you can make money with, He said, maybe you can do that, but what a waste of your life. He said, never in my life have I ever moved to anything for something. I always moved to where the why was in my heart. And very often it looked like I was taking a step down, but it never bothered me because I wasn't living for the what's. Now there are people that would look at the life that this man lives and say, I want that life. But he doesn't care about that life. What I watched him over that time and I watched, is I watched him break down into tears four or five times. And every time, it was over something small of a person that was touched. The one instance we were in an area, in this group in Paraguay, with, uh, in, a, in a group where people had disabilities. And there was a young man that was using John's material. They were using it in all the schools. I shared some of that last week. And they, and they had it put into Braille. And, I, and this young man who was... Who, who was blind, was reading, and then the interpreter would say what he read, and he was talking about the value as he read it with his hands of forgiveness and how it changed his life to learn how to forgive. And I, I just looked over, and he was, he, he was weeping profusely. It wasn't the jet that flew down that mattered to him. It never crossed his mind. It was the young man that he lived for. And, and, and he was so desperate to bring value to people in everyday life. And he's saying to and when we would finish that, he said, please, this is what you live for. Don't get trapped in the nonsense. He said, if you are pursuing leadership for personal gain or recognition, then you are not in reality a quality or certainly not a godly leader. Which takes you to the second part of the law of sacrifice. If you remember, a leader must give up to go up, and it's give up. Leadership is servitude, not privilege. Give up. Leadership is serving, is servitude. It's not privilege. He said, but in the world we live, 
There are two kingdoms. In fact, Jesus called Satan the prince of this earth. First Corinthians calls him the God, small g-o-d, God of this world. And you have two cultures. You have two kingdoms. You have two value sets. You have values of the kingdom of God that came from the heart of God. And then you have values that come from the pit of hell. And he said, those in this world are going to live under one of those two sets of values. And he said, the culture of the world is to benefit the leader, to benefit therefore and no more. To always think of, listen now, about themselves first and others last. He said, but the culture of the kingdom is that you put God and his kingdom principles and purposes first. And if you're married, then it's your spouse, then it's your kids, then it's others, and then it's you. He said, if you're going to live this way, you are going to swim upstream in a downstream world. But if you don't live this way, you will waste your life. You will never be what you were meant to be. And I don't care how much you achieve, how much you do. You will live your life and half live it. And then he said this. He said, life, this is so true. He said, life will give you constant opportunities to put yourself first. By focusing on your problems, your pain, and your pleasure. He said, the world in which we live will constantly give you opportunities to make you first in three areas. Your problems, your pain, and your pleasure. If you live long enough on this earth, life is going to happen to you. Maybe your own, maybe some of our own mistakes or often it's nothing you have control over and it will paralyze you. It will injure you so deeply and harm you so, so deeply in your soul. He said, if you don't know how to live beyond yourself, you're done. You'll build the walls and you'll build your own kingdom and you'll get to, to maybe some of your goals, but you will never live the life you were meant to live. He said, the things that drive us to make ourselves first are our problems and our pain. And he said, in the American culture, then also pleasure. People sacrifice everything for these modest things that don't last he said, they're not unimportant. And it's not that God doesn't care about those things. He said, but the kingdoms of this world make it first. The kingdom of our God make those last. And it positions you to do something great for God. That's why Romans 8.32, the scripture said, God, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up. Remember the law of sacrifice. It's simply a leader must give up to go up. God gave up himself. He said, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, not for him. How will he not also, along with giving us him, graciously give you all things? He's telling you, here's the reason why you can trust God to meet the needs in your life. Because he's driven so desperately to love you that he didn't withhold his son from you. And if you understand that love, you'll understand his heart. That's why you can trust that he will be an ever-present help in your time of trouble. And he said, until you live that way, where you lay down the things that others would never let go of, you will never fulfill the purpose of God. It's why Christians fail to represent Christ well. Because God was willing to give up his very son. He said, Christians aren't even willing to give up their opinions for the sake of people. And he asked a question, do Christians love those that oppose them or they become their opponents? He said, that's not a hard question to answer in our culture today. 
He said, if that doesn't change in you, listen, your life won't matter. You'll get to go to heaven, but you'll make no impact. He said, don't live and die. He said, look, I'm 74 years old. I'm not telling you this from a 30-year-old man's perspective. I'm telling you this because I want you to make an impact. I want to bring value into your life. He's, and there's a, there's a statement Maxwell's made he's known for, and it's simply this. He said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. He said, but what Christians are so busy doing is telling everybody what they know, the what's. He said, but the people they're telling have no concept that they don't, if they do or don't care. And in many cases, they don't even care. That's why Jesus said, all men, all men, not Christians, all men will know you are my disciple and follower of me. Listen, by the love you exercise toward people. Not, not your right and wrong, not your issues, but can you love like Jesus loved? He said, when you live the law of sacrifice, you will say no to you and yes to the love of God. And you will bring value to people that want to harm you. He said, that's how you're called to live. He said, every day of the world, I get up and ask myself three questions. I'm only going to give you one of these today. He said, how do I bring value to someone today, God? Help me bring value to someone today. And it's not that he's going to go do something grandiose. He said, I am always in every environment, whether I'm at a front desk or in a, in a, at a restaurant or talking to someone, I ask myself, what is it that I can do that will bring some value to this person's life? He said, and when you live that way, God will open doors for you to bring values and bring help and, and rescue to more people than you can imagine. And he said, I can promise you this. There's nothing on the planet as much fun as living this way. Nothing close. Which brings us to the third thing is that you're ultimately called to go up. Remember, the, the law of sacrifice is that leaders must give up in order to go up. And he said, but you're ultimately called by God to go up. And he said, godly leadership will attain eternal goals. Godly leadership will live beyond your life. Godly leadership will leave a legacy that will touch the world in your absence. Godly leadership will multiply your life beyond your life. And he said, I want to help you to do that. You see, Jesus in me plus my sacrifice will equal a great awakening in this nation. Not from pastors doing it, but from God's people in their secular everyday world, my secular everyday world in which I interact. He said, when you understand that Jesus himself said, I will stand alongside you, and if you will lay down your life and make him first and his purpose first, you will see God do things through you that will shake your world and shake the areas in which you have been given influence in your life. Remember, all leadership is is influence. And every one of us in this room have influence somewhere. And God wants you to truly expand the fullness of what he's called you to be into every, every corner and crevice and crack of influence he's given you. In Matthew 28, 19, the scripture said, Jesus said, now therefore you go. Say out loud, you go. You go and make disciples of all nations. That's his command right before he ascended to heaven. You go. You go. I want you to do something. I'm giving you a, a, this a massive goal. He's talking to a handful of people. He said, go get me the world. I don't just want you to talk to them. I want them to come to me, and I want them to become disciples of me, followers of me, and I want you to do it for every nation, every people group on the earth. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded them. Why? Because he loves them. 
Most Christians want people to be taught of God so they can know what to think and do instead of why God wants them to think and do. And he said, teaching them to obey, Jesus said, everything I've commanded you, and surely, listen now, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you. As you live your life to do what I called you to do in your sphere of influence, God himself will stand with you. God himself will bring peace that you will no other way. God himself will bring you provision you will have no other way. And yet what most people do is try to drag God into the lower life instead of moving into the higher life where it's right at your hands and your disposal. He said every human being on planet earth, every human being, every human being on planet earth has been given a portion of the great commission to steward. And he's talked now more to the business guys and he said, you guys remember this. So I don't care what you've accomplished, how much you make, how wealthy you've become. He said, you remember this. Your vocation is nothing more than your temporal platform to position you to be a kingdom builder, to build God's kingdom. That's all it is. He said, people think Maxwell's a leadership guy. I am known as a leadership guy, but let me tell you what I really am. I'm an evangelist. And I leverage everything I have, every penny I make to leverage it to change this world. And I can tell you that every step I've taken, God has brought multiplication. If you asked me 15 years ago, would I be able to reach 10% of a population of a nation of leaders and not just teach them leadership, but give them the opportunity to come to Christ? I would have said, you're out of your mind. He said, but most people never live the full experience of where they are called to have influence. I, are you going to do to the level and, and, and scope of a Maxwell? Likely not, neither will I. But that's not my calling. But you have been given a portion. And I desperately want you to live there. God desperately needs you to live there. The world without him needs it. And John made it so very clear, don't think of anything you do other than a platform to make him first in it. He said, sure, you have a lot of stuff you have to do. Sure, the business has to run. Sure, you want it to grow. Yeah, you have to plan and strategize. Those are all the what's. But if you'll keep the why, Jesus said, I will be with you in your business, in your home, in your marriage. Anywhere you make God first, he said, you will experience him with you. Not just his general omnipresence, but you will experience him with you. And he said, most people live and die. Listen, Christians live and die and never experience one day of living that way because they're trapped in themselves in their pain in their problem and their pleasure and then he told us something that just kind of shook 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 the people that were there and, and because you you, th- you know particularly when you, you're with somebody of who's made, had such great accomplishments he said to us he said Goals that you have in your life that only have a temporary value or a temporal value. The Bible calls those wood, hay, and stubble, and they'll be burned up on the day of judgment. See, November 6th and 7th, we're going to have our impact offering. As we're trusting God to give away outside the walls of this church to to world mission projects, things, local expansion of God's kingdom in our nation, and and raising up the next generation of leaders. $1.6 million dollars. Right now, we're right at about the halfway point, a little over. And here's the most awesome thing. We're, we're ahead of where we were even last year in that process. But it has nothing to do with money. 
It is, it, it isn't a, that's why I don't raise money. That's why I don't, I'm not a fundraiser. That's why we haven't asked you to all make certain commitments. We just keep telling you this is, what, this is what we're doing as kingdom builders. And I want you to truly leverage your life for building the kingdom as God gives you direction. John said this. He said, everything I do will be wood, hay, and stubble if it doesn't have eternal value. Let me give you the scriptural context for that as, as, as I wind down and, and then we have time for the Holy Spirit to truly do a work in our souls. There is a day coming when we will have the judgment of the believer. And we will stand before God and the fire of God will pass through my life. It's not a heaven and hell judgment, it's a works judgment. And he said, every area of your life, no matter what it was, that you didn't do it with a kingdom first, God first eternity in mind it, it, this is marriage relationships everything he said when that fire passes through you they'll be burned up you'll you'll be saved and you'll go into heaven but all your works won't follow you and he, he looked at these guys, the business guys mainly and ladies and he said listen i've sold 35 million books i don't need money i've built world-class companies i have presidents waiting and kings and prime ministers waiting to meet with me but if I don't leverage it for God, I'm 74 in a few short years when I stand before him, it'll go away and it will mean nothing. He said, don't you waste your influence. Don't you waste your life that way. And he made it so crystal clear to us. The last thing I want to share with you is that I asked John a couple, I asked him many questions, but three in particular about us. And I'll talk to you about just two of them right now. I said, John, I'm 60 years old. I was then. I just turned 61 last week. Gosh, Pastor John, you don't look 61. Thank you. I could feel that in the room. I could hear Meadville. Can, can you believe that guy is 61 years old? Uh, okay, I, I, I feel it. I, can, I got it. I feel it. I feel it. I got it. Yeah, that's okay. Don't lie in church. I get it. But I said, John, I'm 60. And I know in the next, you know, years or so, I'm, I'm going to be transitioning this church to the next generation. I said, can you help me to do that well? Because I want to serve this church and the next generation so well. Help me to do that. And I said, and John, when that's complete, I know the next thing that I'm still, we'll still be here. We'll still be a part, but I won't be leading the church. But I know the calling that existed from the day we started this church. 28 years ago this month, the first day this church started. On October 17th, I, I, I literally said, the day will come when this church will shake the Northeast with the power of God. We will see a revival. And it was the first day of the church. It's been in my heart for going on three decades. And I said, John, and now I see the clarity that I know we are called from this place to leverage what God has given us to be able to plant 1,000 churches, life-giving churches that will shake their communities in the Northeast. 1,000 churches to either help plant them, start them, fund them, and resource them as they get started and as they continue. I don't know how to do that, but I know it's in my heart. And he said, John, I can tell you one thing. I, here's what I can tell you. I guarantee you, you are soon to see, see the resources of God pour toward it. I said, well, John, how, how do you know that? He said, because as you've asked me questions, you never asked me one question about bettering your life which is what people usually ask me. You didn't ask me one question about you being successful. You've asked me about how to make other people successful. You told me you want to help change the literal dynamic of the spiritual culture 
of the most populated part of our nation. He said, I can promise you this. You're not far away from resources coming to you that will shake your world. Because you aren't doing this. God's asking you to do it. And he will be with you in it. And less than a week later, I had the privilege of meeting with a wonderful couple in our church. To share with me that, that, that now what they may do or not do, that's really not what this is about. But God really, it made so, it was such a confirmation to me. Less than six days later, there's a couple sitting there. These, they're part of our church, wonderful people, who now have a, 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 an opportunity and, and resource in their hands now that would far eclipse anything that's ever been given to this church in our 28-year history. Now, they may or may not be led to do it. It doesn't matter. It's what they, they need to follow the Lord and what he tells them to do in their soul. That's not what that's about. But it was such a confirmation to me. Six days later, it's happening. Here's what I want to ask you. What is it that heaven wants to partner with you with in your sphere of influence? Now, we get to do these things together. But in your everyday life, God himself wants to show up when you live this way. The law of sacrifice. You were called to live this way. You were created to make an impact with your life. And I want to pray over you today, along with myself. And I want to ask God to help us to truly set aside all the pollution that comes to us in this world. The problems, the pain, the pleasure. And Lord, help me to live this kind of life. It's the greatest way on earth to live. It's the only way for a Christian to live. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you. Then we're going to stand at all of our campuses and we're going to worship God together. And we're going to ask him to simply speak into our hearts. God will speak to you today. When we worship, please just pour your heart out to him. Worship him and let the Holy Spirit begin to deal with your heart. These moments can change not just your eternal life, not just your scope of your life, but the lives of more people than you can fathom. Because the only hope of the world is God's people yielding to Jesus. He's the only hope of the world. Let me pray over you, then we're going to stand at all of our campuses and worship. Father, I pray for those in Meadville and those in Newcastle and those online and those here in the Cranberry campus. And I pray that you would speak into our lives today, that we would be captured by your heart so deeply that we would lay down our lives for what you laid down your life for, that we truly would experience the presence of God in a way that, we, that today would be unimaginable to us. And we ask you to make that real to our hearts. We now literally pour our hearts out to you. We forget about time. And we give you our souls and we worship you for your worthy. Would you stand together with me at all of our campuses? And come on, let's worship him together. Come on, lift your hands and begin just out of your soul as we worship and soul. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.